you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. On another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation, our weekly coverage of Demon Slayer's entertainment arc comes to somewhat of an end. We may do a feedback episode, but more about that later, covering episode 11, no matter how many lives. We will get right into that after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Okay, folks, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am J. Scotty St. Clair, and I am Zuhair Ali. Zuhair, as I understand, you had some stuff you want to blurt out, so go for it. What you got for us? Yeah, so, like, I'm relieved that the season is over, but before we get to that, there's just, like, so much stuff that I've had time for, because I'm, like, nursing my shoulder, so I can't work out as much, so more time mm. at my table is always nice. Um, <laughs> uh, First off, I caught up on Boruto, so it's like, I feel like this has been a venture that's been going on for so many years, it's nice to just be like, oh, I have to wait every week for episodes again. Uh, and it gives me more time to just look at other stuff instead of binging. Uh, speaking of binging, I restarted Attack on Titan, and oh my god, I forgot how good the show is. I only ever finished season two, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm excited to just go on so that we can record and talk about that, because from what I've heard, the the latest and last season has been incredible. Um, Super Bowl ads. <laughs> Doctor yeah. Strange and Woo. Moon Knight look incredible. I am ecstatic. I cannot wait. I'm not yeah. watching any more trailers or ads. That's it for me. I'm cut off. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you there. I always try to avoid TV spots, but I'm really hoping that Marvel just gives us the benefit of the doubt. And that was the final trailer. But if not, I'm just going to have to put myself on a little bit of blackout. But hopefully yeah. between Attack on Titan, which is the next show we'll cover. And then the second half of Young Justice Season 4, when we get back into that, hopefully that'll be enough to distract me so that I can just go into the theater as fresh as possible. Not to mention, yeah, you brought up Moon Knight. We'll have that in between as well. We won't be covering it on this show, but I'm sure we'll yeah. drop little tidbits here and there about how we're enjoying that because we love Marvel here. We do. Yeah, and there's a lot of CGI that goes into it. That's animation, right? We'll find loopholes. <laughs> I'm totally willing to ride that caveat if we want to do a, like a full-on review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, because anybody that knows me knows I love Doctor Strange, and this one looks like it's going to be balls to the wall. Yes, uh, very much so. Yeah. All right, so Arcane, that is one of the shows that got brought up a lot on uh, things that were good mm-hmm. about 2021 and things that they're fascinated about. So watch the first episode. Very intriguing. Has a lot of similar artwork to uh, Clone Wars, which I was really fascinated oh. by. Okay. Uh, in terms of like everything looking so painterly, 
Mm. Um, so yeah, the the action sequences, the design, the from what I know of the story so far, very interesting, and I'm I'm looking forward to finishing that up. Okay, yeah, we might have to retroactively do that one because, like you said, we a lot of people express some interest in it, and I've only heard like the highest praise and critical acclaim for it. Um, one little thing I do want to mention is anybody that's been listening to our coverage of Demon Slayer so far for season two, the Entertainment District Art, you may notice a voice is missing. Um, that's because we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday, so that's why we got all those great trailers. But uh, Andrew Rogers, who's been with us throughout this coverage and is running our social media campaign, he's not with us tonight because he actually has a romantic partner that he has plans with. So uh, with that said, he is going to submit a voicemail or an audio recording for us that we will play towards the end of the episode. So he will get to get his his thoughts out there. Whether that's lucky for him or not, we can let you decide. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. We get to record a podcast. (laughs) My last point Mm. being that Pokemon RC is a lot of fun. I see like for like the first time them making a game of this style. There's obviously like some setbacks that could be stepped on. But for for a first time, I'm liking the direction of this gameplay. Mm, Okay, good to know. Good to know. I haven't been gaming quite as much, but. Uh, I, it's not about Pokemon right now, but just with the art direction and style there, how it kind of like takes the anime and brings it to life. I am noticing like you brought up um, the Demon Slayer video game. I think it's the Hinokami Chronicles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just, I watched a trailer for that because I think I saw it on sale on online or something like that. And then I was thinking, hmm, if I do get some time to game, I definitely want to check this one out. So It's not a hard one to get through. Okay. Well, good to yeah, know. Yeah, because I I absolutely love the the Ninja Storm series, and it's the same studio that did Hinokami Chronicles. Okay. So, like, I missed that game. I'm bummed they didn't do one for Boruto, but I was happy they did one for Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. But like, instead of the one on one action that I love about the Ninja Storm ones, it's more of like each demon that you face is like a boss event and it's more like evasive and finding opportunities than it is like the one-on-one action and sure they have like side missions and then all the online stuff that you can just fight with other people which all that is like action wise it's so much fun but i was a little let down in the story by that regard okay yeah the last video game i played that was like really based in anime was dragon ball dragon ball z kakarot which mm. was like the first time they took like that fighting game mechanic and kind of translated it to, to an open world environment i thought it was a fun game but haven't really gone back to revisit it since i, I played through the story Yeah, nothing is top 10 kaiichi 3 for me on <laughs> ps2 there you go old school i like it i like it yep that's okay. my that's my injury update that's all the content i've been consuming lately yeah well we'll hang in there we need you healthy and we need you strong my voice still so, works for now. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now that we've, uh, you know, kept the people with bated breath for long enough, let's <laughs> let's talk about this thing. Do you want to do the whole on a scale of yeah to yeah? Are you able to to quantify that that one this week? I don't know. No. I think it's. I think it would just come off as a sigh of relief. It would just be like a yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll say for my purposes, I enjoyed the finale, but I was not overwhelmed. I was definitely more whelmed. Yes. Yeah. I it was, was borderline underwhelmed. 
Yeah, I might be leaning towards that myself. I, I I appreciate a lot of the things that we got. It was great to find out that basically all our heroes survived. I was very, very concerned for Tangan, and I was almost certain towards yeah. the end of this arc that he wasn't making it out alive. But pretty much everybody comes away unscathed, and a lot of that is thanks to Nezuko. And I think Nezuko got like the one really badass moment in the whole episode when she we pick up right off the end of the last episode and her box is flying through the air and Gitaro's final blood size are kind of flying in all directions. And she uses her blood demon art again to burn them all. Yeah, it was interesting because I didn't like all of that when I first watched it. And I'm glad we didn't record right after because I kind of would have been a little annoyed, but the more that I thought about it, the more I kind of like redeemed it for myself. So like, one of the things was like, oh, now she wakes up, not when she hit the box, but it's like she actually did bleed. So I guess I did trigger her fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it was kind of a cop out for like Nezuko to just be able to fix everybody. But then I thought yeah. back and I was like, no, her powers did kick in for the webs in the first season. Right. It did account for um the people who were like, making our heroes dream so there has been like a consistency of her powers able to neutralize or fight against like the smaller effects of blood demon art so Mm -hmm. uh, i didn't quite catch on that right away like man if you're going to throw in like a bunch of dialogue explaining things like that would have been the time to do it but (laughs) eventually i caught on (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, so it was well done. I'm glad that she got to like have a little bit of a moment. Her having just the dot eyes and giving Tanjiro a piggyback ride every way was the cutest. I loved it. Yeah. And with all the the emotional strain that this show has given us, like from Mugen Train even to this whole entertainment district, I'm I was actually kind of relieved that this episode was a little more lighthearted because yeah. they are actually very good about communicating with us and we have a season three confirmed. Hooray! And because we know all of that, I'm okay with this one being a little more down to earth and relaxed and just kind of um, giving us giving us the opportunity to have that sigh of relief. Yeah, I, I think the sigh of relief is a great way to describe it. And it is great to know that we have season three coming and it's already in the works. But I think I would have preferred maybe just a little bit more setup to like have things to anticipate and look forward to a little bit. But mm-hmm. I do agree with you. It was a sigh of relief, and I was surprised at the amount of humor. Uh, yeah, you brought up Nezuko's little her eyes, and then Tanjiro, uh, excuse me, Tanjiro um, riding around on her was a total reversal of her always being, you know, strapped to his back. Uh, but then I'm sure this this got on your nerves a little bit when Zenitsu just like starts crying out, and he's back to his old self, and he's just like, "I'm scared, and I'm hurt, and are my legs broken?" Who would do this to me? <laughs> I was like, dude, you are such a cool character. And he started just screaming and wailing. And I was like, Nezuko, can you like give him your gag for a little bit? Like, calm him down. <laughs> yeah. And then like, what was this thing about like, what do you mean you're glad I'm okay? I'm not okay. My legs, I can't feel my legs. And and then he's taught like after it is such an after fact that he knows case heart rate is going down like mm. that. That wasn't your concern. You're that bitchy about your legs that you're not going to talk about your friend dying. You don't want to direct attention to the guy who needs CPR. 
Right, right. <laughs> He's, yeah, not to take anything away from me, but his heart is growing fainter and fainter. He's selfish yeah. little sh. I'm so sorry, but like, it has to be said. Nah, it's all good. It's all good. It doesn't need to be said. He's he's a much more enjoyable character when he's in his sleep sleepwalking mode. But yes, you need that humor. You need that humor. And then uh, Anosuke, I would have liked to spend a little bit more time with him. But what we got was, you know, in keeping with his character, as soon as he comes to, he's hungry. <laughs> Get him something to eat. <laughs> and then Tandra is just so happy to see him alive. And, and somewhat well. And he's just like, you're creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> he just wasn't having the hugs at all. <laughs> yeah. And in all that time, it's not even like, let's take this mask off so that he can breathe a little bit. Like, man, leave it Yeah, I, I noticed that too. <laughs> like, because isn't it technically filled with blood right now? He was coughing up a lot of blood. Yeah, there's still blood coming out of his snout. So, I mean, <laughs> that can't be comfortable. Nah. <laughs> yeah. And then we transition over to Tangan with his three wives and it, the comedy just continues with Suma <laughs> being, you know, totally beside herself to where Makia starts like forcing her to eat rocks because like Tangan is trying to talk <laughs> and give like his final things. And he's like, really? I'm not even going to be able to give like my final words. I'm going to die without being able to say my final words. I forgot about the rock. She actually <laughs> picked one up. Suma's just holding onto her hand, still crying. <laughs> and then I was I was actually thinking as soon as first off the way that Nezuko just came up and tapped him was adorable I love her little sound effects so much but I was like <laughs> oh my god they're gonna think she's gonna cremate him and the second he lit up that's the first thing that Suma said it's like it's not even dead and you're cremating <laughs> you're like, it's like you're a bad young lady you're a terrible child how could you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was pretty great though because that's what i was thinking too is like the first time she used it and you kind of saw whoever she was using it on that whole area just kind of go up in flames it was like what's happening right now okay yeah it's just burning the poison okay cool yeah i had to think back on that on, on mugen train quite a bit because that's what woke tanjiro up that's what killed the mm -hmm. line tanjiro even had the line it's like i don't even think like my blade should cut through this like nezuko can you handle the rest of these Mm -hmm. so her i guess just her demon like instinct like the nature versus nurture part like the nature's kicking into where she just has this instinct of understanding like what her powers do and to what level she can handle them yeah yeah and you, you talk about like suma freaking out on her but like the one like still from that sequence that'll like stick out to me forever is when it's like a back shot and like Tangan's in the in the corner and then Suma like turns around when she realizes he's actually alive and she just gets like the biggest eyes and kind of like the derpy mouth that kind of reminds me of Rick and Morty a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen such like goofy imagery like that, but it was it was much needed after everything we just went through. So, oh, Tangan Sama, uh, you're alive, Tangan Sama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to look up the serpent Hashira's name because then he shows up and that's like one of the few things that like gave some idea of where the future is going. And from what I remember about him, he was kind of one of the naysayers in terms of like that back in season one, when we had, you know, Tanjiro and Nezuko kind of standing trial with the master and all the Hashira. I remember the wind Hashira and the serpent Hashira in particular 
being kind of the the worst of the naysayers, but I, I'm having a hard time bringing up his name. But oh, he was Iguro. Okay, Iguro. Okay, good to know. Um, because he is uh not a nice not a nice guy. Nah, and um, Tengen pointed that out too. He was like, "Hey, guess what? Guess which one's reaching his potential already? The one that you hate." Like, <laughs> but he remembered his name. It's like what. Tanjiro Kamado's the one that's doing well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do want to point out, I called it in a previous podcast where I said that, like, even though they've done it before, I'm expecting a second Hashiro to show up. He right. was late, but I called he was very it. late. He showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. Suma reminded him of that, which the serpent shut her up real quick. Yeah, yeah. And he he's very dismissive of Tangan and what's been accomplished there. He's like, yeah, they were upper upper rank six, but they were at six, not any higher than that. Yeah. Yeah, you managed to kill them, but what do you how how long are you gonna be out of the fight? And that's when Tangan's like, no, I'm I'm retiring. And it it kind of takes me back to that episode when we had the flashback to he and his wives when Hinatsuru was like, hey, once we've defeated an upper rank demon, that's when we will kind of atone for everything we've done. And then we can go back and live normal lives. And mm-hmm. I think she said at that point in time, like all, all four of us might not be together at that point in time, yeah. but it's, it's, it's awesome to see that they are, but that's, that's not good for this. Um, what's his name again? The snake Hashira, serpent Hashira. Iguro. Iguro. Yeah. Iguro doesn't want to hear that. He's like between Rengoku being out and we still haven't replaced him. And now you, it's like, Now's not the time for you to be retiring. You should fight until you die. Yeah, he said the fight till you die was like very blunt. And then him saying like these younger guys aren't reaching their full potential. Like I'd rather have you with one hand than any of these like brats coming up basically. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get his comeuppance, I think. Either that or he's going to earn a begrudging respect for our, our three heroes. Or four heroes, I should say, because Nezuko's really... Really stepped up in a big way lately. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. The other thing that kind of stuck out to me before we we get into Gitaro and Daki's backstory, which kind of took up most of the episode for better or for worse, is the little knife that I think it was Tanjiro that he used to like absorb the the blood of of the Kazuki, mm-hmm. and then it was taken away by a little cat who like almost was like a Cheshire cat. He like faded away disappeared is have we seen that cat before am i just not remembering in the first season there was an arc where they meet a demon who's actually working against um uh muzan yes muzan sorry uh she's working against him she's she's helping tanjiro like find a cure for being a demon and the task that she gave tanjiro was to get uh, blood from demons that he slays, especially the higher-ranking one. It has more of Muzan's blood and more of the uh, the information that she needs to work with. So I'm there glad that they, it took me a second too. But then I was like, oh yeah, that was a whole <laughs> important arc that they just again like the stuff I need reminders of. <laughs> the stuff they're not explaining at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we're getting there, but it's like, wait, what was that whole arc about again? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you remember that because now that you say it, I remember everything. But yeah, that. I think it was like maybe a one, two episode arc in the first season. So it's actually really been a, a, quite some time since we've seen her. So. It was a couple because that's where you had um, 
the guy who had like the direction arrows and the girl with like the dodgeballs. Oh yeah, yeah. And she had like the young apprentice who was very protective of her and he got like beheaded yeah. and that's when you found out that or was he beheaded? No, he like suffered a great a grave head injury, but yeah, that's when you found out that they were demons. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. And he was like yeah, like you said, he was super defensive and it was like, How dare you like look at her? She's the most beautiful thing in the world and blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And she called like Nezuko ugly, and then he like Tanjiro started flipping. I was like, "My sister is beautiful. Who do you think you are?" Because <laughs> yeah, that was a that was that was a fun uh, fight sequence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of the highlights of season one for sure. Uh, well, it's it's kind of interesting that it was those two demons because now we're at the end of the next kind of partnership between two demons that we've really seen. And that is Kitaro and Daki. And kind of what I guessed in the last episode is that we were going to get that backstory because we always do. Tanjiro has that moment to, you know, show some empathy and and relate to them as human beings. Uh, but I wasn't expecting it to take up the majority of the episode the way it did. And in retrospect, I, I think it's one of the elements of the episode that kind of brings it down a little bit for me just in terms of like momentum and whatnot. I feel like more of that could have been seeded previously so that we didn't have to spend such a solid chunk of the episode there but you know we talked about Daki having those flashbacks being burned so we know exactly how that happened now and then just in terms of like their heads being chopped off and like rolling to face each other they immediately start blaming each other yeah yeah so they really are siblings (laughs) (laughs) yeah we learned that Daki's name was actually Ume and that she was named after the disease that killed her mother. They were basically born into poverty in the entertainment district. And the entertainment district is not a place that children are really welcome. They're seen as just an extra burden. And Gitaro's mother tried to kill him before he was born and continued to do so even after he was born. So Jeez. the guy has not had an easy life. Yeah. It's, they gave the origin of like what got him into the sickle too. It was like his only toy because somebody left it behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he basically had rocks thrown at him because he was ugly and, and smelled bad. And that just kind of set him on this path to become reviled by society. And so he found his worth in instilling fear. And he found out that he was a pretty good fighter. So he started collecting uh, he became like a debt collector, but was very cruel in that process. And the one redeeming thing he had going in his life was his his sister. And she was very beautiful and pretty much the exact opposite of him. But he raised her. So he taught her everything that he knew. And that's to take, take, take any time you can. Don't show any sign of weakness. So that put her in, in some trouble with a samurai when she used a hairpin to stab out his eye. And he retaliated by burning her alive, yeah. which is a little bit of an overreaction, but all of that just for one measly eye. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I've been practicing it. I've been so fascinated with that <laughs> voice that like, even I was rewatching some of the episodes, like I can't remember like the actual Japanese term for it, but it's like every time he said disgrace, like he said that word like over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. when he was talking about like, you know, Tanjiro's scar and stuff like that, like I was trying to like word it with him. I was like, man, this is so, this voice actor does such a good job. And like, he broke away from a lot of that this episode. Like you heard him talk a little more 
normally. Sure. I want to say like without that that grittiness and without that strain in his voice. Sure. I caught onto it a little bit, but uh, man, just just hats off to his performance overall. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's definitely one of the standout voices. I watched season one with the du- with the dubs, so I was hearing everything in English. But man, the, the Japanese voice artists are so talented, and his, his was definitely very, very unique, and just sold everything about that character being grotesque and creepy, and just an element of like venom and, and danger to everything he does, which is fitting with his blood sites being loaded with poison. Yeah. So. But he did have a cool moment when he was still a human when after he got slashed in the back by the samurai and then the the lady that ran the household that Ume was a part of was basically just talking all the shit about him and then he does a backflip and nails her in the forehead. Like I was kinda like, Hey, you're a little justified there. That was satisfying. Yeah, right? <laughs> like he has a severed spine at this point and so does that yeah. and then does the uppercut slash on the samurai's face. I was like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're saying uh, you're saying animated stuff is for kids, please. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is for a mature audience, indeed. But uh, from there, they're both basically on death's door. It's it's a miracle that Ume, aka Daki, is still alive at this point. But he's just kind of trudging along, just kind of waiting to die. No one's going to help them. They're completely reviled. And then that's when we have a newcomer, someone we haven't seen before, a new demon with, I must say, very pretty eyes. Yeah. And did did we get a number? I I was trying to pay attention. I think they just said upper. Yep. The entire time. Okay. So yeah, we have no idea what what level he's at, but he offers to give his blood in the hopes that maybe they will reach the upper ranks like he did. And that's all we really see from him other than the fact that he's like holding a woman in like multiple pieces and drops her head and her rest of her body when he sees these two and definitely looking forward to seeing more from that guy. Yeah, he's just like he's he's just beautiful. Like he has a charm and charisma about him, and just much mystery, much much mystery. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, with the announced season three, we'll be learning a little bit more about him. Yeah the 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 fandom wikis haven't even like updated it. Okay, interesting. It's cool though. The main picture is like a silhouette of all of them, and you can see him like to the far right. Okay. Yeah, he was definitely a decent looking guy for a demon. And like I said, the thing that stuck out to me was his eyes were like iridescent and almost like rainbow colored. So pretty easy on the eyes, which is strange to say about a a demon and a male demon for my particular taste. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're all forward here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I'm, I'm trying to think. From there, I, I think that kind of wraps up their story. Then it's just kind of them in, in limbo with the decision, you know, to head towards the light or towards the flames. And he's basically trying to convince Daki to get away from him and let him descend into hell and let her, I guess, go to Nirvana or what have you. And she's like, hey, don't you dare leave me. Don't you remember what you promised me? And that kind of flashes back to when they were young and in the snow and basically freezing to death and he made that promise that as long as they're together nothing could defeat them and uh he basically takes her back on his gives her a piggyback ride into the flames of hell yeah as that part was going on i was remembering you saying last week that this was supposed to be a longer episode so as that went into the detail it did i was like "Hmm, maybe that's why they kept it longer just so they could 
wrap this up. Yeah, the reports I saw said it was supposed to be a 45-minute episode, and I think my watch on Hulu clocked in around like 33 or 34 minutes. So and we count for but, credits, and I guess when they put commercials and stuff in real time. and Yeah, that's what I was guessing was the, the commercial breaks and whatnot. But <laughs> yep, then we flash forward back to Tanjiro, who's basically watching the last bits of Guitaro disintegrate and you know he says that he hopes they made up but we know that they did it was funny that he was just kind of like covering his mouth and he couldn't do anything about it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's good old tanjiro for you he has love even for his enemies which we hadn't i mean i guess we saw it a little bit towards the beginning when he was like helping around the house a lot when he was stolen in disguise um but there, we forget that there is that like level of empathy with him and that level of connection that he has with people that people just like can't understand or shake off. So the the little as as much as we love the beauty and like all the action sequences and the in the detail and the design, it's nice that they still adding the touch of like, hey, here's these people as characters. Like, don't forget, you know, where they come from and how they are and this and that. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. You know, the show sets a high bar in terms of the quality of animation and the uh, just bombastic nature of the action, the number of colors that we get to see on screen. But it would all be for naught if it weren't for the excellent character development and growth. And that even goes for the demons. So I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about Muzan. And speaking of Muzan... That was that was the real only mention that we got of them this episode was when it flashed to the master who is does not look like he's doing well. It looks like his disease has continued to spread down his face and he's constantly coughing up blood to the point where um, I didn't realize that was his family. But I think he confirms that like when he's saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, because of Tanjiro's progress, this is the first time. And I can't remember how long he said, but this is basically a new era. This is the first time that defeating these demons actually seems like a possibility. I want to say he said a hundred years. Okay. That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. hundred years sounds right. So, um, and yeah, the, we don't know if it was like the younger ones or the one at his bedside that was saying father. Mm. Uh, but one of them definitely were. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that like, I, I mean, I guess I, I, I saw it, but I didn't quite notice that like, he still has black hair. Uh-huh. So typically, like, you know, when a disease is taking over to that extent, like, you know, your hair starts to gray and stuff. So sure. he must still be like relatively young. Yeah, I, I would think so. He he seems on the on the younger side in terms of like physical appearance outside of the, what the disease is doing to him. But the way he speaks gives the impression that he's been around for a lot longer. But I don't know. And we're just talking about character growth and development. It'll be great to learn more about him. He's still somewhat of a mysterious character in, in that regard. His name is Kageya. Kageya. Okay. Master Kageya. Well, I mean, all the Hashira have the utmost respect for him, even though he's very different in temperament than a lot of them. The Wind Hashira and the Serpent Hashira, especially. Oh, homeboy's 23. Wow. So he's the same age as Tengen. I would not have guessed that. And he calls all of them his children. Yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> oh, he has a wife, two daughters, three, okay. four daughters. Okay. And a son. Okay. 
maybe it's a, like a general generational thing because it seems like I can't remember the dialogue for sure, but Muzan has done something to his family, and maybe that maybe that's in connection to his disease, or maybe they're related. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying not to read too much because I don't want manga spoilers. I'm just really curious at the same time. Yeah, I I hear you there. I'm trying to go into this as blind as possible, and so far, it's been for my benefit. Uh, without changing gears too much, if you have more to say, feel free. But the other thing I'm thinking about is that was Azuka that we saw get teleported to the Infinity Castle, right? Akaza, yes. Akaza, excuse me. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first time we've seen him since his departure earlier on in the season, and mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think when we saw the interior there. I very much got like Tower of Fate vibes for our young oh, Justice yeah, listeners. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. could you imagine like Dr. Fate just chilling there like, what are you? Oh, sorry, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong dimension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, um, why can't I think of the witch boy's name? Clarion. Clarion. That's how I was thinking. Him still being lost. Like, oh. What are you doing here? Wrong dimension. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Get him, Teagle. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure I have much more to say about the episode, so I open up the floor to you, and then we can kind of pivot to All right, Andrew's so... feedback. They mention that the only time they get called in that is when an upper demon is killed. Right. Um, and, of course, they lost two, so that's a big meeting in which Muzan will not be happy. Right. Um, I'm wondering if Master Kaguya actually has, like, a demon-related poison, and if that's something that Nezuko can just be like, guess what I learned how to do. <laughs> um, but, like, it meant the, his performance was amazing too uh i'm sorry i don't keep up with any of the voice actors names whether it is anime or uh hollywood but man his performance of just you know coughing up blood and remembering their names and like still having that sickly tone while just being so enthused of like how happy he is it was it was really cool and you know you see two of the crows like kind of like jumping around with him like Mm-hmm. kind of reacting to the news and the fact that they gave which transitions to like i'm confused about the crows because if it was as simple as tanjiro saying let me send one of the crows to get lady shinobu it's like shouldn't they have been around the whole time and the second that they saw the fight go on go grab another hashira or go grab medical or somebody yeah. to come intervene like you see that they're evacuating cities and stuff like the the crow should have been on that a lot quicker which I guess that's how Snake Boy showed up, but that was the the dialogue just kind of made me go like, do those crows just literally wait for? And there's, if each Demon Slayer has their own, there was four crows on site. Like they could have been like, hey, I'll watch you go get somebody. Like it, yeah. uh, it just the the dialogue confused me a little bit. Yeah. That's fair, though. And one of the things, speaking of dialogue, that kind of stuck out to me, I, I didn't really pick up until pick up on it until right now when you're talking about the crows, is like in folklore and literature, crows and ravens are often like a sign of a bad omen. And it kind of makes sense in the context of this world that anytime demon slayer is around, it's, it's because a demon is around, which would be a negative thing. But I think 
the master Kageya. Mm -hmm. I think he actually used the term omen when he talked about the potential to actually be able to take Muzan out in his lifetime, which is kind of cool because normally to me an omen is a bad thing, but it's a bad thing for Muzan, but it's a great, excuse me, Muzan, but it's a great thing for the Demon Slayer core. Good use of language there. I like the homage. Uh, This is interesting. In Japan, the crow symbolizes gratitude, family, love, and the most common is the the divine messenger who represents the good omen. But in other cultures, for example, it has negative symbology. So, yeah. Apparently, Japanese actually look at crows in a positive manner. Well, there we go. Yeah, it's good to get that that Eastern civilization versus Western civilization. It's good to learn something. That's why. Is that that like how we see pigeons? (laughs) Or doves, maybe? Messenger dove. Yeah. Carrier pigeon, messenger dove. I like it. Okay. Um, unless you got anything else, I this is the point in the episode that we will let our esteemed fellow host, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Andrew Rogers, give his feedback. So I will cue that up now. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Rogers. Uh, those of you who are fans of the show, you will recognize my voice from all of the past Demon Slayer coverage. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it this week, so I still wanted to uh, write in and give my thoughts here on what happened in this episode. I know Jay Scotty and Zoo Hare are going to do a fantastic job talking about it, but I still wanted to throw out uh, some things for you guys to be able to hear. Really, this was the perfect way that I think this season could have ended. If this was a perfectly wrapped present on Christmas, this was just the bow on top. You know, it was everything that you wanted to completely round this out. We've been talking about what the deal is with Giotaro and Daki this whole time. And I didn't think they were redeemable characters. I really didn't. But the fact that they had me crying over what was going on at the end of this episode by the time you found their entire stories and the fact that they, you know, weren't going to go into the light together, but instead were still going to go through the flames was just so moving so emotional so beautifully well written um i've talked at length about the music this season and i'm gonna do it again they just had perfect orchestral overtones throughout the entirety of this episode in ways that it doesn't feel like the show usually delves into they do a lot more with horns than it feels like they do with you know the sad violin so to hear that difference uh, as opposed to the more exciting things was just so moving so amazing and then you know looking at everything we had with our characters to know that they're all okay it makes you happy and they put so much perfect comedy into it the fact that Tengen was sad that he couldn't get his last words out there you know you can't help but to laugh at that and then again they bring it back into these moving moments I was tearing up yet again seeing Nezuko carry around Tanjiro we talked that you know brothers take care of sisters sisters take care of brothers didn't matter who was older or younger, it was her turn to be like, no, get on my back, it's totally okay. You know, I absolutely loved so much of what this episode had to offer, and like I said, it's a perfect way to round it out. I know it may not have been the most action-packed thing, but that's not necessarily what you want. That's what the penultimate episode is for, so again, I could kind of keep going on, but I want to keep it short as to not uh, overlap my two co-hosts too much, so can't wait to hear what those guys have to say. Thank you all for listening, and if you think it's cool to be able to hear my voice on the episode, uh, just remember you guys can do this too. The feedback on our email is for feedback both about the show and about the episode, so if you guys want to kind of get your own thoughts out there, maybe even hear your own voice on the show, feel free to write into the email, uh, animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com, 
Thank you guys again. Good luck, uh, Jay Scotty and Zuhair. And as always, until next week, muscle, muscle. Okay. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, we cannot respond in real time to Andrew's feedback, but I'm sure, you know, given his previous appearances, he's always a very insightful dude um, with a lot of good takeaways. And I have no doubt that's the case this, this time around. So uh, I talked about the potential for a feedback episode. Hopefully that is something we can do. If there's enough interest out there, I highly encourage you to hit us up on our social medias. We will put a call to action out on the Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, but in the meantime, if you'd like to submit some feedback, you can do so with a voice recording or a written email. You can do that to animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com. Zuhair, is there anything you'd like to let the people know about or talk about before we get out of here? It's kind of the last, um, I guess, point regarding the season as a whole is that this season, just like Mugen Train, like felt like a movie. There was a. Uh, there's a page on YouTube that takes the action scenes and kind of cuts out all the extra dialogue and just seams it through. And it's like the last five episodes, four, three or four episodes without the extra dialogue was actually like 15 minutes of a movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so I like this, this really cinematic quality that they're going for as much as I love the seasons. And I like that emotional oh my god what's happening for every week like mm-hmm. if every season was a movie i wouldn't be mad about that either <laughs> i'd have yeah. to go to the theaters four times and just binge it yeah i'm with you there I, w- I would not be opposed to catching this just insane level of action and detail on the big screen it would be an absolute delight and pleasure yeah and we got our our mist hosher mr tokito coming up in season three so yeah lots to look forward to but I'm glad yeah. that I can take a emotional sigh of relief for my characters. <laughs> Definitely, it's it's well deserved. We need that, and yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up the mist. Excuse me, the mist Hashira being featured in the promotional art for season three because just right off the bat, not knowing anything about the individual Hashira, really, he was the one that kind of struck a chord with me. I like the color scheme. I'm partial to the color green, and just his his almost too laid back demeanor like he's almost kind of yeah. like checked out and a little apathetic like oh this is kind of boring what's going on right <laughs> can't wait to learn more about him we we it was earlier on in the season but you guys when you you and andrew were breaking down what it the requirements to become a hashira uh, that's when we learned that he became a hashira within like two months of picking up the sword so that's that's quite a feat it'll be great to learn mm-hmm. more about him and what makes him tick yeah and uh with us knowing that Tanjiro's learning how to mix elements together, he's kind of like the prime example of how to do that too. So there might be more mentorship coming his way. Ooh. Yeah. Hopefully he can make it out of the season without like losing a limb or horse dying, but we shall see. We shall see. Maybe the Hashir will finally learn to get there on time. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, I think it's uh, the time of the episode where we will plug stuff. So I will, we will plug the things that we have going on. Plug stuff leaves too much to the imagination for me. <laughs> um, the, the typical MCU cast line popped in my head right away. I, I'm, I'm, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> she now you know. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so this was the finale for Demon Slayer. Later on this week, the finale for Peacemaker, at least the first season. I don't know if it's getting a second season. It sounds like it may be on the, the, it might be on the table. 
Uh, James Gunn did a great job. I've been appearing on the last few episodes of Pandavision, and I will do so this week as well. So wherever you get your podcasts, check out Pandavision Peacemaker. We're having a lot of fun with that series on HBO Max. Um, other than that, the one thing I have going on is the review contest. I meant to bring it up at the beginning of the episode, but first five new reviews or updated reviews we get for the podcast, either on Apple Podcasts or if you do it through another means, just let us know. I will enter you into a drawing and then you can potentially win a custom commission cartoon from me. So if you want to check out my artwork, take a look at J Scotty for real. That's the number four R E E L. That's my Instagram. You can check out what I have going on there. And I'd love the opportunity to create some art for our listeners. A drawing for a drawing. There we go. A drawing for a drawing. Well done. Well done. That's why we keep you around your hair. <laughs> I'm glad I have value. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think that'll do it for this week. Thanks everybody for tuning in. That's T O N I N. Stay wound. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping for. Your hard to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping for.
to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.